coaching, quarterbacks, defenses. Who's got the edge in Thursday's showdown between the Vikings and Patriots? Breaking it all down, it's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now it's Superior Sports Talk with CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. It's 30 minutes every day, and it's all the Minnesota sports you need. It's Superior Sports Talk, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. Tuesday, Reg, you know, these Thursday games still feel weird, man, because I'm still getting over that loss to Dallas just, what, 36 hours ago, but no time to cry about it. We got another one on deck just two days away. I mean, it's go time already. Here we go. Yeah, get over it, okay? Get, get over, over it. it. It's over. It's over now. It's it's really going to be over in a couple days. So. <laughs> so much to get into. But first, remember, follow along Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at LockdownMIN. And remember, we're a podcast too. Free and available. All platforms. Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. Tons of great choices over there too. You got the Ron Johnson show. You got the football party and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. Speaking of YouTube, every day posting a new poll up there. Yesterday, I asked fans, which area were you most concerned over the disappointing 40-3 to thumping? Four options. The quarterback, Kirk Cousins. The offensive line. The secondary or the coaching. Here were the results. It was an absolute landslide. Offensive line takes the cake with over 80% of the votes. The three other options, all pretty even split around five to 7%. There's no doubt, Reg, the offensive line was atrocious, okay? Not mm -hmm. arguing that by any means. And at the end of the day, they probably get my vote too because they allowed 60% pressure on Kirk's dropback, seven sacks, rough day at the office. But I guess I was a little surprised it was such a landslide because for me, Kirk doesn't get any of the blame. None of that was on Kirk when I went back and watched the game. But I look at the coaching losing this game on Tuesday when they drew up a game plan that did not cater to the Vikings' strengths given the big injuries that we talked about yesterday and stayed away from the Cowboys' biggest strengths because how are you going to leave Blake Brandle out there and leave him on an island against Micah Parsons all game, not help him with some chip blocks or stack protection? How are you going to call seven-step dropbacks and long-developing plays like play-action rollouts knowing the Cowboys that pass rush was just going to feast all over that so I was surprised the coaching didn't get a little bit more votes here but that's just my opinion what was your quick thoughts on the poll and the way the votes shook out yeah I mean it shook out the way that I think it should have because if they had more protection for cousins like you could tell there were a couple times where he put some balls right on the money you know, I'm thinking of the the should have been touchdown to Justin Jefferson when Trayvon Diggs was just holding them all up in here mm -hmm. and holding one arm as well, which I, I don't know what the refs were doing. I tweeted on Sunday they must have been drunk because, like, they just blatantly missed some stuff, and it was just kind of weird for an officiating crew. And I know it's always easy 
easy to crack on the refs, and that's not why the Vikings lost, so I'm not saying that. But I, I think there was some some big whiffs there. And then also that should have been touchdown to TJ Hawkinson in the corner as well, where Hawkinson mm-hmm. just kind of dropped the cookies. Like less than ideal first game in Minnesota for him. And so I, I think if you don't have – any time and we've seen a little bit more mobility in the pocket from Kirk Cousins this year and I think he was trying to do a little bit of that on Sunday but it just did not work out I just don't know what else you were expecting from the offense and you got a critical Justin Jefferson yesterday as well saying that he felt like you know to to your point Luke that the coaching could have been a little bit better saying that you know, they should have adjusted a little bit more on the fly to get the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands quicker because they couldn't stand up against that pressure. Yeah, to your point, too, about the refs, the drop touchdown pass, who knows? If that game is 10-7, to 7, if they can score on one of those drives, butterfly effect, man, maybe the whole outcome of that game's different. Again, though, not going right. to sit here and blame the refs for that loss or just one drop touchdown pass by TJ Hawkinson because as a whole, again, they did play pretty atrocious. So there it is. Remember, go check out that Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube page every day. I'm posting a new poll. Over 2,500 votes and over 60 comments, by the way. Awesome. Wow. So hit the subscribe button so you never miss a beat and go comment. Let us know what you think. All right, to football we go. Both teams went through their walkthroughs yesterday and are asked to fill out the injury report as if they practice in full. So basically the NFL is saying, if you would have practiced, what would Mm -hmm. your report look like? Vikings said no booth, no Derrissaw. Derrissaw probably already out. We know that. While Evans and Tomlinson, they were limited. Patriots flipped the script, said no Isaiah win their left tackle or center David Andrews. And you got to remember here, that's huge because they're already down Marcus Cannon and Andrew Stuber. So they're drowning right now in their offensive line. If Wynn can't go, they've only got two tackles left on the roster. Trent Brown and Yandi Kajust. And their backup center is James Ferentz, who he's played 200 snaps this year but it's said to be a pretty big drop-off from the starter Andrews over to James Ferentz. So the Pats offensive line is a mess right now. Vikings, though, if Booth can't go, that could be trouble. They would need Evans back in the worst way. Thoughts on the early injury reports, knowing who's likely going to be out, and how it's going to affect this game and the coach's game plan. I think it's too early to tell, but I also think, you know, depending on what happens with the Patriots offensive line, I think this is going to be an opportunity for the Vikings defensive line to like pin their ears back and bring it back, meet at the QB. They had uh, an atrocious day. I mean, just added to the long list of, you know, units who had a bad day on Sunday, but you know, the the biggest one I, I can remember is the whiff from Zadarius Smith having Dak Prescott in his grasp and Dak somehow getting out of his grip and rushing for a couple yards. Um, that that was that was just kind of how the game went. And so they literally got no pressure on Dak. Dak only had three incompletions on Sunday as well. And so I think the defense has quite a bit to prove on Thursday and it's not like the Patriots offense is like world beaters so they should be able to get some things done you know from a defensive standpoint and then when you look at the injuries from the Vikings I think it's just a little too early to tell like how things are going to be impacted because you know sometimes these injury reports sometimes they're smoke and mirrors too but we do know that Christian Derrissaw is not playing on Thursday and so that's going to be 
very tough as it is. You come off a game where you gave up seven sacks, and now you don't have your your all-world left tackle as well for the game, and that's just really, really tough for them. So we'll we'll see how they how they can kind of rebound, and maybe they do listen to Justin Jefferson and find ways to get the ball quicker out of Kirk Cousins' hands, and and you know maybe allow some of that quick game to to lead to maybe some of those seven step drops or you know things like that. Matthew Judon's thirteen sacks, that's a little scary. So I, I know they they aren't trying to have him meet uh, Kirk Cousins on the turf <laughs> on Thursday, but it'll be interesting to see how maybe the quick passing game can set up the longer passing game to keep the defense honest. I'm not going to kick a dead horse right now, Reg, but I just got to say this one time, then I'll never bring it up again. <laughs> what were we doing with Christian Derrissaw? Because now that there's a chance we look back at the end of the season and say, man, maybe they had no business playing him and rushing him back. I mean, I was shocked when I saw him as a participant last Thursday and Friday, especially just knowing how delicate concussions are just usually dealt with. And yeah. I like Blake Brandle. I mean, I really do. I'm rooting for him. But the drop off from Derrissaw to any backup, Oliudo or anyone, it's a big drop-off knowing how well CD was playing and the things they could do leaving him out on an island like that. Patriots, though, man, this is classic Patriots 101. Guy gets hurt. They find a way to bring a dude in off the street that has no business playing in the NFL. Guy was begging groceries mm -hmm. the week before, pumping gas at the 7-Eleven. All of a sudden, he's starting for Bill Belichick, and they end up being pretty good. That's what's funny and crazy about it. So when we break down this game and who's got the edge position by position, where do we stand here, Reg? A quick little gimme one segment here. Let's just rapid fire, fire through this one. Give me one. Give me one coaching edge, Pats or Vikes. Like, who you got? Should be a pretty quick, simple answer. Who you got? Love KOC to death, but Belichick. I think I know where Come you're on. going. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, like, KOC's uh, ob not ob yet. obviously it's the Pats here. Love KOC. If I were to give him a great, huge overachiever this year, if I were to give him a great B+, plus, maybe even an A-, minus. last week, not going to lie to you, I would have given him an F, maybe a D- minus if I was feeling good. But you're talking about the GOAT here, man. I mean, he's going to have something planned for KOC and the Vikes this Thursday. All right, how about quarterback? Give me one. Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins. Who you got? Cousins. Cousins, for no sure. He's playing, he's playing at a high level this season. Mac Jones, there was a quarterback battle with him and Zappi. So I, I don't know that they have the utmost confidence in his ability. And also, they had three points last week until that walk-off punt return. So Yeah, good point. Offense only had three points. Scoreboard says 10, but seven of those came from special teams. Yeah, Mac Jones coming off that really solid rookie year. Kind of lost his mojo a little bit. I don't know. But at the same time, he's got nothing to work with. Like, this is just the typical Patriots blueprint. Great defense, good special teams. Don't lose the game on offense. He's got a good running game, sure. But where's his playmakers? Like, the guy you can just throw a one-on-one -on -one up to. Not much to work with. Edge, for sure, as you said, goes to Kirk Cousins, even after that rough game last week. Give me one offense that's better. Pats or Vikes? Who you got? Oh, Vikings, for sure. When they're humming, when they're clicking on all cylinders, these guys are dudes. You talk about how there's not necessarily a guy on that Patriots offense. They're filled with guys. You got Hawkinson. You got Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook can catch it out of the backfield, and he's also a great runner. You got uh, K.J. Osborne, Adam Thielen, like dudes all over the field. Patriots don't have anything nearly as close as that from a weapon standpoint.
Yeah, no doubt. Obviously, Vikes, more talent, more playmakers, most importantly, far superior quarterback right now. Next one, give me the one defense you'd rather have, Patriots or the Vikes. I guess if you're going off of what happened on Sunday, you you probably picked the the Patriots. You know, mm -hmm. the, the outlier, I guess, is, you know, some of the veterans. You got Daniil Hunter, you got Zadarius Smith, you got Patrick Peterson. But, I mean, they got some dudes over there in New England as well. I mentioned Matthew Judon. We can't forget about McCourty. Like, there are some guys that, that the Patriots have that – you know, can compete. And, and look, the Jets only had three points last week. Say what you want about Zach Wilson, but that means that the defense of the Patriots bought out. So I think just after last week is especially, I kind of give the edge to the Pats. Yeah, Matthew Judon, what'd you say, 13 sacks? That dude's like mm -hmm. one of the more underrated defensive players in the league right now. Doesn't get Body as much love Taco as he Bell. should. <laughs> yeah, again, no question. I'm with you. Top two scoring defense in the league. They've allowed six points in their last two games. Top five in third downs converted. Top five in yards allowed. This is what Bill Belichick does. Vikes cannot get into third and anything more than like seven against this defense because Bill is just money from there on out in those third and long situations. Last one, maybe the most important because in a game like this, Special teams is not only going to have a huge impact on the game, it could very well be the deciding factor in the outcome itself. Just look at the Patriots game the week before versus the Jets. Give me one special teams unit you think has the edge, Patriots or the Vikings. Uh, this is tough because we've long praised the Vikings special teams this right. year, and we love us some Matt Daniels. He's a, a great uh, special teams coordinator that I think has a bright future in the league. But I think by virtue of what happened on Sunday – I think we'll give the edge to the Patriots. Look, Kane, he was awesome last year. He really hasn't peeped any sunlight this year from a kick return perspective. Ryan Wright has a leg of, of a Greek god. You know, he's just booting mm -hmm. those things. So, you know, you give him the edge there. But, man, you can't compete with the walk-off punt return for a touchdown, even if it might have been a little bit of a block in the back at the 15-yard line, but we're not talking about that. But I think after after a play like that from the Patriots, you kind of give them the edge right now. As much as I love Matt Daniels, as you said, we praise him all the time on the show. Done such a great job with that group. Patriots mm -hmm. special teams is just textbook, man. They win the game Sunday with that walk-off punt return touchdown. They play sound, fundamental football. Their kicker yep. doesn't have the same leg as Joseph, but he's more consistent. I think that's more important. I'm sorry, but I, I'm just calling it like I see him. I'm going with you, man. I think Pats get the edge. So let's tally him up now. Pats take the coach, the defense, and the special teams. Vikes get the quarterback and the offense. And I don't mm -hmm. know, man. Coaching is just so important in today's game. Defense is so much better than the Vikes D right now. And as much as the Vikes offense is better than the Patriots, after what we saw last week now, you just don't know what you're going to get three days later. I'm a little worried here, Reg. Not going to lie. Not to mention, Bill Belichick has owned this team specifically. Vikings mm -hmm. have lost five in a row versus Bill. Last time they beat him, 22 years ago. And when they lose, they don't just lose. They lose big. Average of 15.7 points per game. So just saying, have the remote ready in case you got a 
flip over to whatever Christmas movies on TNT or TBS <laughs> or whatever's going on, just so you don't ruin your appetite on Thanksgiving. I'm just saying. All right, coming up next, we're going around the NFL. Some quick overreaction or reality, plus checking in on the T-Wolves, who are red hot. But first, Vikings open this week versus the Patriots as three-point favorites at home in the backyard at the bank. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with Bet Online, BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NHL, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, get an endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron, they're talking football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson's giving you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us the five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. All right, quick snapshot at the NFC North. I either want an overreaction or reality. Let's just jump right in. The Vikings are not as good as their 8-2 and two record. Is that an overreaction or a reality? Overreaction. I think I'm going to go against the grain with you on this one, Reg. I mean, first team in NFL history to have an 8-2 and two record or better after 10 games with a negative point differential. Their point differential is minus two, seven and zero in those one score games, which is great. I mean, they know how to win close games, which is vital. That's clutch. But the Vikings aren't good at winning the games against these superior NFC opponents. Eagles and Cowboys, the two teams in the NFC with seven plus wins, their margin of defeat, 64 to 11. They're going to win the NFC North. They're going to get a home playoff game but they just aren't on the level of the Eagles, Cowboys, maybe even Niners at this point. Next one up, four and six Lions. Will they get hot and streak their way into the playoffs? Overreaction or reality? Overreaction. No, they will not. Hey, teams won three in a row, man. You can count them out already. One of the hottest teams in the NFL. And now they get Jamison Williams back to start taking the top off the defense. They're going to lose this week in Buffalo. But then they get the Jags, Bears, Packers. I'm just saying, it would be such a Dan Campbell thing to get hot <laughs> and bully his way into the playoffs. After that one and six start, classic Dan Campbell couldn't script it any better. Lions, as of now, two games back from the seventh seed. All right, time has come. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat. We got time for one quick one. What does it mean? Let's talk a little T-Wolves. I don't know if you heard, Reg. The Minnesota Timberwolves had recently just lost six of seven games just two weeks ago, looking lost in all departments. They've now won four in a row and have gained some momentum while finding some team chemistry. What does it mean when it comes to the Wolves and what they're doing on the court that has sparked this just newfound success? What's the catalyst? What happened? They just have better flow, and they seem to have a little bit better chemistry. They are playing a little bit more together. Um, talked to Nas Reed at practice yesterday, and he talked about how they're moving the ball better. You know, earlier in the season, that's all Chris Finch was preaching, moving the ball, not getting into these hero ball situations. They seem to be moving the ball better. Cat is playing better, which is good for them. You know, he still had some bonehead things happen yesterday where – you know, he fouled out of the game late in the fourth, which really could have cost them 
the game if if they didn't show you know more grit you know with his absence but they're just playing better ants playing better you know that it's funny rudy gobert didn't score a field goal last night he had four points and nine boards but Mm. it it, it didn't really matter Jaden mcdaniels has been a, a a key factor he scored 18 points the wolves were plus 18 with him on the floor how about that? That's not Love bad, it. right? Love it. It's not bad. Not bad. And so not bad. they're, they're okay. getting they're getting good contributions from the bench as well, which is something that was a little scary as well because they kind of lost the depth with that big trade for Gobert. And so I think mm. things are just kind of steadying a little bit. I still don't think they're playing their best basketball, but they are playing some good ball and stretches, and they're making a difference in these games. I'm just going to be the box score scout right now. I see D'Angelo Russell out of all five starters played the least, and he scored the least amount of points, even less than Rudy, who you just said only had four points. D-Russ, three points and only 28 minutes. Does this have anything to do with maybe Russell not being a focal point of attention like he was earlier in the season? He should not be. You know, they mm-hmm. they have him as a guy who can distribute, who can play with Rudy on the pick and roll and get the ball to guys in their spots. And then, you know, his role is not to be a primary on-ball scorer. Like, his his role is to distribute, you know, get some good shots when, when they come and, and really just kind of be a complimentary player. I don't think it's, it's meant for him to be – the dude that's taking the the shots all the time that you are looking for him to bail the offense out with the shot. That's not his role. And I think, you know, if he realizes that, you know, there will be some games where he'll go off, he'll have like 20-plus points, maybe 30-plus points and things like that when, when the Knights call for it. But I think, you know, maybe you don't expect him to have just one field goal like last night. But I do think that that is kind of getting into what you expect from him is really kind of being the guy that kind of gets the offense going, gets them in their spots and and having them be what they're supposed to be, but not him being a primary guy who's taking all the shots or majority of the shots for you. Yeah, well said. Don't look now. Minnesota's won four in a row. They're now nine and eight. They play the Pacers tomorrow at Indiana at 6 p.m. Tip-off. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back to break it all down. All right, that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five star review. Find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on Care 11. Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.